This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Georgia discussing a mass murder in a town known for celebrating Christmas year-round. Then we'll talk about the fatal story of a female sheriff's deputy and her bodybuilder boyfriend. Buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Peach State. I've never covered a case like this before, nor will I ever again. Trigger warning, I will be talking about terrible things involving children. I've tried to leave out the most horrific details, but there are still some things that made me lose sleep. On any given day, there are 440,000 children living in foster care, ranging from newborns to 21 years of age. The average stay is more than a year. In many cases, they have moved several times and have very little stability. 25% of foster children experience PTSD. That's twice the rate of U.S. war veterans. They also suffer from low self-esteem and debilitating depression. The case I'm about to cover is about one of these kids who grew up to become a murderer. After years of abuse, neglect, and being shuffled back and forth between the state and his home, he did the unthinkable. Stories like this bring up the age-old debate of nature versus nurture. Was this young man born to kill, or did years of neglect and feeling like he wasn't deserving of someone to love and care for him make him into a monster? Santa Claus, Georgia, where the streets are named after reindeer. Christmas decorations are left up all year long. You can even send your Christmas cards in bulk to have them postmarked here. Wow. Yeah. I wonder how much that costs. Well, probably it isn't cheap. It's a cheery town of around 200 people, which is super small. That is. There are only two cities in the world named Santa Claus, and Georgia has one of them. This is where the Daniels family lived. Kimberly, a stay-at-home mom, and Danny, who was a mailman. They had a big blended family, house full of kids, which included foster kids. Kim had three of her own, Danny had two, and then they had foster kids. A little backstory on this family. Kim's father was shot and killed when she was three years old. Then her mother abandoned her and her siblings, who were separated and put into foster homes. She was in 52 homes, 17 in the first year that she was in foster care. 17. She was three years old. I know, it's it's terrible. She was adopted at 12, was very defiant, became addicted to drugs. She had a super rough start at life. Mm-hmm. She married at 21 and had her first baby in 1985, a little girl, but lost custody of her after they split. A second daughter was born in 1986 after she moved in with another man. She had twins in 1989. Didn't work out with this guy either. And when they split, the children were taken from her and they were put into foster care. So it's like history. A cycle. Like a cycle. History repeating itself. She was on drugs and having a bad time. In 1992, she decided to go to church and get her life together to get her children back. 
She found a job and eventually did get her kids back, and she met Danny at church. They hit it off, and all of their kids did, and they had a family, finally. They were married, and Kim and her kids moved into Danny's house, which was huge, mm. and had a big backyard. Danny adopted Kim's kids as his own, mm. and they decided to become foster parents. They worked their asses off. She worked her ass off That's and awesome. got clean and got her kids back, and she became a foster parent to give back to the community, and... They all really Gosh. loved them and their children in this town. Like, they took their kids to church. They mm -hmm. took in all the kids that nobody else wanted, which is, I hate to even say. Mm -hmm. So, in 1996, they took in a 10-year-old little girl. She talked a lot about her mama and her brother, Jerry. And she got to see them. And the foster parents kind of became close with this little girl's mom. And, and her brother, Jerry. And so they started going to church with the Daniels mm -hmm. and, and all the things. They were eventually reunited. The Daniels had seen Jerry in the way that he was struggling with drugs and suggested that he come live with them. He wasn't in foster care. He was 18. Okay. But they were like, we want to help you. Like, mm -hmm. you don't have a father figure. Move in with us and we'll help you get straight, which is awesome. But he didn't do well with this. He had imaginary friends, including a talking mouse that he could only see. He was scared of the dark. He had had open heart surgery when he was four. Mm. Yeah. He was held back in kindergarten and first grade. And his dad left when he was eight. I wonder, was there anything medically wrong with him? Like It was just a congenital heart thing. He had open heart surgery. I mean, but he was kind of... Sickly, some people would say that his mom used this as, like, to her advantage. Uh -huh. Like, mm -hmm. I can't work because I have a sick kid. Or, yeah, you know, he yeah, can't go to school because he's sick because she didn't want to. Yeah. You know what I mean? So his mother remarried after her, you know, after his dad left. And the stepdad was awful. Very abusive. Mm -hmm. His mom was an alcoholic. He was physically, emotionally, and mentally abused. And eventually placed in foster care himself. Mm -hmm. And... Kind of went back and forth between his house and foster home. He tortured animals. Mm. He set fires. All the all, all the, the things. things yeah. All the Ugh. things. Yeah. A lot of signs leading up to oh, something. Oh, yeah. I mean, these children had little food. They were oh, would gosh. be starving. No bedtime, which made yeah. school difficult because they were tired and they were hungry. Oh, when Jerry would get taken out and put into a foster home, his mother would harass them to the point where the foster families would give him back because they couldn't deal with it. He would run away. He would play with tools that he shouldn't be playing with and was very disruptive at school. He was mean to adults and other children to the point where he couldn't be around other kids. Wow. Yeah. He was transferred to the Herald Center where he was evaluated and diagnosed with mental health problems. He was super honest with the doctor about everything, drinking, smoking, stealing. I mean, he sounded like a grown man. Mm -hmm. This baby was 11 <gasps> years old. Wait, when he was talking about when all, all that? of this stuff was going on, when he finally got taken into the oh, mental center God. to be evaluated by the mental health professionals, he was 11. Ugh. I know. The doctor said that Jerry didn't know how to deal with his emotions. 
He was very angry and he saw himself as a bad kid that no one would love. So why should he be good? That makes me have a nod. Max is eight. I can't. I just told you this is rough on me. He would scratch himself for attention and rub blood on his arms and became fascinated with killing things. Mm. His next eval, the doctor wrote that he liked the attention of being bad because that's the only time he got it. Gosh. He shot a cat with a BB gun. He tried to kill himself. Once by standing in the road in front of a semi and once by hanging himself. Both of these things happened right before his 12th birthday. Oh, my gosh. I know. That is just... told you this is awful. He had all the classic signs. At his next appointment, he told the doctor everything that had happened and was sent to a psychiatric hospital Mm -hmm. in Savannah for two months and was doing good. They put him on antidepressants, and he was doing good in school. His mom calls, and, you know, he can come home for a visit because he's been here and he's Mm -hmm. doing so well. His mom calls and says he's not coming back. Since he's doing so good, he doesn't need to come back. He doesn't need that medicine. He doesn't need to come back. So she takes him off everything. And within a few weeks, he's back to exactly where he was. His mother would not let him get the help he needed. She was selfish, and she wanted him with her no matter what. He was constantly in trouble at school again. He was in between DHS and psychologists, thrown back and forth into his home life, self-medicating with drugs and alcohol, and quit school by 16. When he was 18, he went to live with Kim and Danny. Jerry had a girlfriend, and they had a baby, a little boy. Unfortunately, though, the Daniels weren't able to help Jerry, and they had to have him leave because he was drinking and doing drugs, and they couldn't risk that around their foster kids or, yeah. That's rough. And they'd noticed him being a little flirty with their 16-year-old daughter, and they were like, we can't, no. He just seemed indifferent about it, though. He was like, okay, oh, well, I'll leave, whatever. He wouldn't even act like he knew them if he saw them around town. He would just Mm -hmm. turn and walk the other way. So over the next year, he would become more and more depressed. He got his girlfriend pregnant again, but unfortunately, the baby boy was stillborn due to a heart complication. He was buried on December 2nd, 1997, and Jerry was inconsolable. Later that night, he went to his mother's house. A huge fight started after his mother brought up the baby and the fact that it may not have been his. So Jerry leaves and goes to a friend's house to have drinks. Around 11 p.m., Jerry stole his friend's car. He drives straight to the family he never had. The one he always wanted. The one he felt abandoned him when they told him he could no longer stay. He knew where he wanted to take his anger and hurt out. He went to the Daniels. He parked in their driveway, smoking and finishing his beer, sitting on the porch steps. Jerry then gets a stepladder and climbs through the bathroom window, goes to the gun cabinet, and gets a shotgun. The house is quiet. Everyone's asleep. Around 1 a.m., he shoots 43-year-old Danny four times and 33-year-old Kim two times in in their bed. They were sleeping. Then he starts walking through the house, turning on all the lights. Four-year-old Corey, who was a foster kid, was hiding in the bedroom closet after he heard the gunshots. Eight-year-old Bryant was still on the top bunk, pretending to be asleep, and Jerry shot him execution style. He then reloaded. 
Jessica, 16, ran down the hall towards her parents' bedroom, and Jerry shot her in the back of the head. Jerry gets the three little girls, Amber, Amanda, and Brooke, and tells them there's a bad guy in the house and you've got to go with me. And they do because they know him because he's been there. Yeah. He lived with them for a little bit. So as they were leaving, four-year-old Bryant comes out of the closet and Jerry lifts his gun to shoot no. him, but lowers it and walks away. <sighs> a farmer found the three little girls a few hours later on the side of the road, 30 miles away from their home, walking in their nightgowns, barefoot and shivering. So he just dropped them off there or something? It's December. What? They tell the farmer they had been taken from their home in Santa Claus by a man they knew named Jerry. Mm. The oldest little girl had been raped and sodomized. She was 10. Oh, my God. I know. The police get info from the girls and rush to the Daniels' home. When they get there, all the lights are on. Corey, who is four, is hysterical. He's been in the house for hours. With his sisters, brother, mom and dad's dead bodies. They go into the bedroom and find Danny and Kim in their bed and 10-month-old Gabriel clinging to a sheet beside Kim. So he had been in the bed. The alarm clock was blaring in the background. They find the little body of Bryant and his big sister Jessica. It's just horrific. Like, I can't even... The coroner notes that each of the victims had been shot execution style, basically like there was, there's no threat to the intruder. They weren't, Yeah. they'd been shot in the head. There was no, they retraced the killer's steps and saw where he had climbed through the bathroom window and left without taking anything. So this was not a robbery. The house had not been ransacked. The girls told them when questioned how he told them to come with him and how he had driven them to the middle of nowhere and sexually assaulted them. <sighs> They told him he was driving a black van and an APB was put out warning that he is armed and dangerous. Police interviewed neighbors and friends. No one knew who could have done this. The Daniels were very well liked in their community and church. They knew it was someone who knew this family and everything pointed to Jerry. There was DNA left on the little girl's bodies and his fingerprints on the windowsill, cigarette butts, and beer cans. They figured he was headed to Alma where his family lived. And when they got there behind the house in the alley was the van the girl said he was driving. They found Jerry huddled in a crawl space beneath the house. On Tuesday, December 9th, the funeral services were held for the family. Schoolmates placed roses on Jessica's casket. And the preacher talked about how eight-year-old Bryant wanted to grow up and drive the church bus. Gosh, eight-year-old just point blank. I know. The five surviving children sat in the front row with police bodyguards. And they were eventually placed in the care of other members of the Daniels family. So, I know, this is tough. So, police are trying to find a motive for this crime. And someone mentioned that Jerry and Jessica had a brief fling that was the 16-year-old. But she had broken it off with him. At Jerry's interview with the GBI, he confessed that he had killed them all without any remorse. Wow. He said it all seemed like a dream, like he was in a fog. He had attended his baby's funeral, then walked to a friend's house to have some drinks, then back to his mom's. 
He said people started talking about his baby in the house, so he ran out and stole his friend's van and then drove to the Daniels. He said once he entered their house, he went looking for Jessica because she jilted him. He remembers pulling the trigger over and over again and then talking to the girls about going outside with him. He stopped at a river bridge and took the 10-year-old down to the boat ramp where he assaulted her away from the other little girls. He tossed the gun in the river after that little girl had asked him to throw it away because it was scaring her. The gun was never found. Jerry escaped from jail in July of 1999 while he was awaiting trial. They found 75 homemade weapons hidden in his cell. He was quickly captured and brought to trial, which began August 30th of 1999. Prosecutors were seeking the death penalty, obviously. A mother testified that she had let him stay with her and watch her three young children, and he was great. That he was staying with her in exchange. She gave him a place to sleep, basically, so... Mm -hmm. In exchange for him, like, working on her car and watching her kids. Jurors heard about his childhood, the abuse, and the neglect. How he had a problem with authority. How he'd never owned a car or had a place of his own. But despite all of this, he had never been arrested for a violent crime. He had stolen a four-wheeler once and was on probation for a DWI. But that's the extent of it. Not even even a hot check. Yeah. The sheriff testified that Jerry didn't know why he did it. A witness for the defense said their family was like gypsies and they moved all the time. That he had spent time in and out of foster care, but eventually had to be placed in a state home for emotional problems. A past foster mother came forward and testified saying that she loved him very much and still does and she wished she could have helped him. Gosh. The neighbors testified about the Daniels family and how they took in children that no one wanted and gave them a loving home. All three court-appointed mental health experts testified that he did not have, like, a mental disability, but he did have a low IQ. Okay. So, basically, the defense is not trying to get him off. They knew he did it. He admitted to it. They were trying to save him from the electric chair. Yeah. Because Georgia still used it at the time. I mean, he had admitted it. There's DNA. The children identified him in a lineup. His DNA was found on the little girl's body. So, I mean, you got DNA, eyewitness, and a confession. Bingo, bingo, you're in trouble. There's no, we're not, like it's a done deal. It took the jury only 20 minutes to find Jerry guilty. The penalty phase was the next day, and it took about two hours. The judge said he didn't deserve any mercy because he hadn't shown any mercy to the Daniels family. He was charged with four counts of malice murder, kidnapping with bodily injury, two counts of kidnapping, aggravated sodomy, aggravated child molestation, child molestation, and burglary. Four death sentences were passed down plus 110 years for the other charges. Wow. He had passed all the tests and was competent to stand trial. He knew exactly what he was doing. He just didn't give a shit. Jerry sniffled as that sentence was read to him. He has filed all his appeals, which is automatic when someone gets the death penalty. They do have appeals. He appealed in 2000 and 2011 with no luck. He remains on death row in Georgia, and his sentence has not been commuted at this point. It makes me have so many thoughts. Like It is a bad one. You know, it's... Not to get on a tangent, but it's like, you know, 
you see these women who grow up in abusive homes and then they marry abusive men Mm -hmm. because it's what they know. You know what I mean? It's what they're used to and it's kind of what they, is their norm. But we have children who have been beaten and abused, but then we punish them when they act the way that they've only ever been shown how to act. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It's horrible. There's there's not the greatest system in place for children in the system that also are struggling with whether you call it mental illness or just outbursts or depression or whatever they're dealing with. It's, there's so many in the system. It's like, it's, it's, I know the state's overwhelmed. DHS is overwhelmed. Foster families. There's not enough. There's not enough. Because nobody wants to deal with it. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is, but it's just, it's a cycle and it's, it's horrible. It just, it, it's like, how do some kids stand a chance? Not that I'm defending him at all. Well, and it's like, but I'm just saying. Well, look at Kim. Yeah, you know, she yeah, grew up. Yes, exactly. She, and despite her circumstances, she triumphed. Yes, exactly. Got her life together, mm-hmm. and then was like, I'm going to be incredible. I'm yeah. going to be a foster mom because I want because I've been there and I know. Exactly. Yeah. And then this happens, and they were planning on adopting oh, those three. There was a so Bryant was eight and one of the eight-year-old little girls that was his twin sister and those were the biological twins of Kim's so she lost her twin brother and then the other eight-year-old little girl was one that they were adopting and then they were adopting Corey the four-year-old and then the 10-month-old so they'd plan to adopt them and it's like these kids have probably been in and out of foster homes and then they get to this family with a mom and a dad and a big house and a, you know, a family and they're being adopted and they don't have to move anymore. And this is home. It just makes me angry. And then this happens. It's more trauma that it's not like they had enough to deal with. This is, I mean, so one and done. I will never cover another case like this Gosh. and neither will you i will fire you <laughs> this, this, and you can fire me if I mean, I they're do. all they're all dark back and depressing but this one's just god it's, there's yeah and there's so much there's so many layers to it because it's like you've lost a baby and you're shooting an eight-year-old point blank like what is wrong you, these children oh and oh sodomizing oh my god a 10-year-old oh I don't know. It's Mm-mm. it's awful. It's terrible. It's terrible, terrible. Holy and crap. not to play the devil's advocate, but that's, you know, what my point was when I was like, you know, we, we expect these kids to not act the way that they've only been shown how to act. Mm-hmm. Not that murder's a reason and it's awful and this no, guy no. deserves yeah. to... <sighs> go to the hottest depths of hell. Mm -hmm. But, and I know there comes a point where you have to be accountable for your own actions. But it's like I was saying with, with women, it's like you, you know, that go into this pattern Mm -hmm. of being with abusive men. That's all they know. So they don't know how to break the side. Any, you know, I could go on for, I know it's just, sorry. Let's take a break. Let's, 
So we've actually gotten several Georgia case recommendations. And one that our listener Starla emailed us about is one I remembered seeing on the show Reasonable Doubt. And Starla has a connection to this case. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll explain that later. But first, let me tell you about 38-year-old Doug Benton, who was a weightlifting bodybuilder and a resident of Colbert, Georgia. Doug also worked as a welder and raised and sold exotic birds. And he drove a Harley. Yeah, he was dabbling in all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and he was a big dude. I'll post pictures. Bodybuilding, exotic birds, motorcycle. Yeah. Bring it. (laughs) He was well-liked, and his neighbors found him respectable and helpful. Doug had a girlfriend named Tracy Forston, and they had been dating for nearly a year in the year 2000. Tracy was also a bodybuilder. That's what they say about you, Lacey. (laughs) You seen Lacey? She's a bodybuilder, right? Get those muscles. Oh, boy. So they met because they worked out in the same gym. Things that will never happen. And you will never hear me talk about on this podcast. Oh, I met this guy at the gym. I was just saying, I'm like, that's where single people meet each other's gyms. I don't know. Maybe. Too much. (laughs) Well, in the year 2000, 35-year-old Tracy was the first female deputy at the Oglethorpe County Sheriff's Department in Georgia. So that's a pretty big deal. But she ended up leaving the department on bad terms. Oh, shit. Yeah. So according to reports, Tracy had filed a sexual harassment case against a former sheriff after she left. So she resigned and then lodged a complaint. So she said there was a lot of sexual talk and innuendos being made around the office. Well, they're, I'm not making excuses, but they're Mm. men. Well, yeah. And she said that... She realized she's the only female. She's yeah. in a boys club. Sure. It's, unfortunately, especially in the year 2000, that's the way it was. She said she got that, but like one deputy said she was a stripper before she worked there. So he would kind of just make jokes like, oh, she's a stripper. She's a stripper. And it wasn't true, but he kept telling people, oh, I have photos of her. And it's like one time's a joke. Yeah, he went on and on and on. Now you're harassing me. Exactly. He never showed the photos, but he was just like, oh, she was a stripper, and she tried to brush it off because she was in a man's world, especially for year right. 2000, and she was just kind of trying to brush it, you know, just brush it off, but Doug was really upset about this. Her boyfriend. Yeah, which makes sense. Sure. I mean, if I told Samuel, oh, this is what's going on, he would be pretty pissed off about it, too. So he suggested that she wear a wire to work and record what they said. For some not evidence. a bad idea. It's not. So they purchased a mini cassette recorder, and she recorded the sheriff making lewd comments, along with some of the other guys in the apartment. Towards Sorry, her? in the department. Toward her. But to be fair, I don't know if this tape exists or not. Right. I never found proofs, proof right. of that. That's just what she said. So she said Doug convinced her to resign and file a lawsuit against the sheriff's office because he thought money was in it. And she felt like she had a pretty good case against them. So as for the relationship between Doug and Tracy, there are varying reports. Tracy's mom said the two had a great relationship. They loved each other very much. But some friends and family believe there is a lot of aggression between the two. Allegedly, they'd even threaten to kill each other from time to time. And they would pull guns on each other during arguments. Oh, my gosh. So I, I was going to say, I mean, like, I've been mad before. I'm like, I I mean, could you could imagine every time neck. pulling out a gun? Like, no. That just seems like a... Were they on, like, steroids and stuff because of their bodybuilding? I never read anything that said that. You know, they have that roid rage. 
I never read anything that said that. Uh, Tracy, she's in good shape and everything, but she wasn't like right huge, huge. I mean, she was looked like a strong woman. Don't get me wrong, but she wasn't like a WWF. No, wrestler. no, 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 no. I mean, I wouldn't want to cross her if I was the <laughs> <laughs> same. But so I don't know if that's true. Doesn't sound good. Her mom says it's great. Her friends and other people are like, no, it was horrible. So who's to say? But in early June in 2000, Doug mysteriously disappeared. Doug did. Mm-hmm. You weren't seeing that, no. were you? Yeah, Doug disappeared. So his neighbors were the first to draw attention to the disappearance because they noticed that his beloved birds were not being cared for. He was always, yeah, out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that's not like Doug at all to neglect them. And none of his neighbors had seen him around either. They, Tracy and Doug lived in separate houses, by the way. Oh, okay. Together almost a year, but they lived separately. They lived separately. Yeah. And they both had children by gotcha. other people. Yeah, yeah. So law enforcement was called and they entered Doug's house to ensure that he wasn't inside in need of assistance. Like he's hurt and couldn't get to the phone. And he wasn't there. And they treated his disappearance as a missing persons case. The neighbors told police that they last saw him alive and well on June 4th, but they didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. At this point, it had been a couple of weeks since they'd seen him. And of course, since Tracy was his girlfriend and the last person to have seen him, police talked to her and she cooperated. She did confess that they had an argument that day, June 4th, and that they'd broken up. She said after the breakup, she didn't see him again. The police searched for him for two days because he was found on June 19th. A local cattle farm's property manager noticed a foul smell on the farm near Athens, Georgia. When authorities arrived, they found an animal feeding trough. I'm sure you know what that is. Sure. The big things. In a remote part of the farm, the trough was hand-painted in a camo pattern. Like you see those, you know, mm-hmm. what I, you know exactly what mm-hmm. I'm talking about if... Well, Doug's body was inside. His body was covered in two shower curtains and then encased in concrete in the trough. And he was decomposing still. Like, concrete will not get rid of the smell. No, no. And after an autopsy, it was revealed that Doug had been shot and stabbed multiple times, but the gunshot wound to the head was marked as a cause of death. So he was stabbed all over his abdomen area near his groin and in his buttocks. Stabbed so in the and it seems pretty personal, you know. Stabbed him in the ass. Yeah, and the viciousness of the murder led investigators to believe it was committed by someone close to him. It's probably what I would think too. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's so. Police, of course, focused on Tracy because, again, she's a girlfriend and she was the last person to see him alive. Several witnesses also said that she and Doug had a lot of altercations, but Tracy always claimed things were never physical. That they had verbal fights, sure, but they didn't ever touch each other. So the police went to Doug's house to investigate, and they found large blood stains in the living room. Physical evidence showed that he had been shot in the head while he lay on his couch. So he was likely either shot by surprise or was sleeping on the couch. There were also scented candles placed all around the house, and people were like, those were not Doug's, but they're excessive. And there was the smell of kerosene, which made them believe someone was trying to burn the property down to hide the evidence. Oh, shit. Yeah, so they pulled up the carpet and they saw stains with kerosene all over the place. And it had been poured 
all under the couch where mm-hmm. the scene of the crime was and everything. So they just poured it but didn't light it? They lit the candles, I guess, thinking, Maybe thinking it would eventually... That doesn't happen. I'm like, it, there were no winds in the house. They, right. the, what was... If they're not tipped over, I they're probably afraid to... You, that they Tip were going to get while they were in there. Yeah, they were probably afraid they were going to get caught on fire, so they wanted it to. I have no idea. They should. I'm not saying what you should do to murder someone, yeah. but this is not going to burn down a house no. unless you knock a candle over or set it by a curtain. Yeah, th- this person wasn't thinking. I'm glad. Yeah, but anyway, the police searched Tracy's house and they found a rifle that may have been the one used on Doug. The rifle used the same ammunition as the gun used on Doug. They also found that Doug's truck was left at his friend's house with a note taped to the windshield saying he'd be out of town. So this is very strange. Doug mm-hmm. has a house, but he drives his truck to a friend's house and puts a note instead of speaking to the friend personally. So this note said, don't say anybody, don't say anything to nobody. And it asked the friend to hide the truck and it was taped to the windshield. So there were, there was a print on it. But it was a print of someone wearing a latex glove. So they couldn't get an ID off the print, but they just knew someone was wearing the gloves. But the bloodstained fingerprint inside of Doug's home also showed evidence someone was wearing latex gloves. So the same person Did touched this note and let... Yeah. So someone was connected to this. But if Tracy wasn't already suspicious enough to police, they determined that the note was written in Tracy's handwriting. And that the tape was a special kind of tape that was issued to Tracy when she was a deputy. I didn't know police had special tape. Hmm. I'll ask some cops. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I saw a portion of the note, and to me it looks like someone tried to conceal their handwriting, maybe by using their left hand. Because it looked pretty bad. It didn't look right. like bad handwriting just as a normal person. It looked... Did it on purpose. Yeah, it looked almost just... I don't know. But that's just my hot take. Police also found a receipt for a shower curtain that was purchased on June 4th, belonging to Tracy. So she, same day they broke up, bought a new shower curtain. She also bought spray paint, and it matched the colors used to camouflage the trough. Not a good look. (sighs) Dummy. Yeah, so when police searched Tracy's truck, they found cement on the bed of it that matched the cement used that Doug's body was encased in. And they found latex gloves in her home. It's a lot of circumstantial evidence, but when it piles up this much, I know, but it's like she has a hundred pieces of circumstantial evidence. Every single thing. Everything's evidence. So she also purchased the trough and cement and police found the guy she purchased it from. And she had hunted on the land that the body was found on and she was familiar with the area. So... Police confronted her with all of this, and she said, yeah, I bought all of those things, but it was just for personal projects. What the fuck are you DIYing with all of that? I'm laughing, but it's not funny. (sighs) It's It's just like, girl. Uh -uh. So she said that she thought someone stole it from her to hide Doug's body. Someone stole a shower curtain, spray paint, a trough, cement. They would have had to go into her home. With a list. A list. It's a lot of stuff yeah, to lot steal stuff. that she had just bought that day. They didn't steal anything from three weeks prior. It was all the, oh, I just happened to buy all this. How weird that they, st-. anyway, the police arrest her. 
She kept saying she was innocent. She said she thought the Oglethorpe County Sheriff's Department was trying to frame her for murder because they were upset about her filing a sexual harassment claim. And I don't doubt that corruption happens and stuff, but in this case, it's like, so she filed this claim against them, the tape that she allegedly has, who knows if it exists. So she thinks that they killed Doug, broke into her house, stole all of this stuff, broke into his house. That's just, it's a lot of scheming for a sheriff's department when, I hate to say it, but in 2000, maybe even today, they could just be like, no, that none of that's true and get away right. with it. It's right. a lot for a sexual harassment claim. Right. Not that it couldn't happen, but it's like. It's a lot. It's a reaching. Whole, a whole sheriff's department's going to kill your. No. I don't know. Just saying. They would have had to jump through a lot of hoops to and commit murder to Framer. And this is something that got to me. There was some speculation on how she could have moved his lifeless body from the house to her truck, to the trough, then off the trough onto the land. That's, yeah. And I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I was watching, I remember a long time ago, I was watching this episode of Reasonable Doubt, and they recreated everything. Mm -hmm. They had a woman that was the same height, same weight. The woman on the show didn't look like a bodybuilder. She just looked like a normal woman. But we know Tracy was a bodybuilder. So I'm thinking, okay, no, there's no freaking way this woman's going to do this. Doug was around 250 pounds. He's a big dude. I'll post pictures. So for the reenactment, they used 250 pounds of sandbags. They distributed the weight, rolled it up like a body. So she had to, this person had to do absolutely everything that Tracy allegedly would have had to do. Mm -hmm. And she freaking did it. She would pause every now and then and breathe heavy and stuff. She dragged it out, put it on the bed of the truck, on top of the... She picked it, picked it up? She not picked it up like a baby, but like dragged, dragged, held it. It's hard to explain. Right. And she would like hug the body laying down on the truck to get it into the truck. (sighs) And she mixed the cement in with him while he was up on the bed of the truck and she to get it off she wrapped rope around it tied it to a tree on the property and drove away and it watched the whole thing she did it all so it is definitely possible which you would think no there's no freaking way i mean i've had to carry my sleeping child multiple times off the couch and i almost a lifeless body's heavy. I yeah. was like, there's no way. But this lady who did the reenactment, she didn't have adrenaline on her side. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. And you're capable of a lot when you're, oh, yeah. when it's, for her, that's life or death. Yeah. I was stunned. I'm like, okay, well, Tracy was a bodybuilder. She was five foot six. She was so around my height, but not my build. I'm very, <laughs> I can barely open a jar of pickles. <laughs> If they had me do the reenactment, I'd be like, nope, absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible. <laughs> well, so according according to the investigator's theory, they didn't think she would have to actually like lift him off the ground at all, just dragging. Mm-hmm. So they speculated that after murdering Doug in his living room, she rolled his body from the couch into one of the shower curtains. One of them was his. She bought another one, wrapped him up. And then dragged it through the house into the porch, backed her truck up with the trough already back there, did all that stuff, and then went back to the farm. So they don't know for sure how she got it out of the trough if she did it, but it's the hypothesis that she could have used rope. And there was a scene nearby that 
had missing a tree had missing bark on it could have been by a rope they didn't prove that but it's just a possibility well once on trial in july of 2001 she pleaded not guilty however the jury convicted her on account of malice murder one count of felony murder along with two counts of aggravated assault and one count of attempted arson she received a life sentence for the murder along with 20 years for the aggravated assault and 10 years for the attempted arson That same year, she appealed her conviction. Her petition was denied. However, she got her conviction overturned in October of 2003, and the court actually ordered a retrial. Retrial was in 2004. She was convicted again and sent back to prison. She tried one last time to get her conviction overturned, but her last petition was turned down in 2017. And at present, Tracy Fortson is serving her life sentence in the Lee Arendale State Prison in Raoul, Georgia. So, like I said earlier, a listener emailed about this story. Yeah. Well, the listener was a teenager when this murder occurred, and her mother was a friend of Doug's. Well, it gets even weirder. Now, Tracy's daughter is her sister-in-law. What? Yes. And she said... It's always been pretty awkward to be in the middle because you have her mom is on Doug's side, obviously. Uh And then her sister-in-law thinks her mom is innocent. Tracy's family. So was there ever a motive? The motive that the police thought was that he actually did break up with her that night. And she she was was like, if I can't have you, then no one will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Seems a little, well, I was hard to say, that seems a little bit dramatic but if they were you know flashing guns if, and stuff if that was yeah. the norm then i yeah. guess it's maybe not it's too not. crazy to- maybe it was an accident but it's <sighs> kidding me an accident if you stab somebody multiple times yeah so doug's family and friends all believe tracy's guilty sure her family and friends all think she's innocent right. My main sources were an article from cinemaholic true crime daily the case files and reasonable doubt and i'll put a link up to this show because it's a good one and usually they're pretty they're pretty unbiased and stuff well at least they they act like that but towards the end they're pretty much telling the family like oh we think she did it like yeah and they're nice about it they're like we get it she's your daughter you love her you're always gonna love her you want her out but But (laughs) they're like we can't help you we think she did it right but anyway it was that's a wild case that is wild. Well, we have new patrons. Good. Let's switch. Let's from switch gears. Else. New mm-hmm. patrons. So I need to pull we up love my it. emails to figure out where they're. We're from. working on our um, Patreon episode um, for June. Yeah, for June. It'll be out next week. It will be. So we have da, 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 Kelly A. She said, "Hi, I love you, girls, and love true crime. We get what you mean, Kelly." Yeah. So she's from Arizona. Cool. Second Arizonian. Yes. She's from a different city that I'll leave anonymous. Thank you, Kelly. And we have Rocio C. Rocio's from South Carolina. And she messaged us saying she once worked at a grocery store in South Carolina and was friends with an older man who ended up killing a young woman. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. His name was Kenneth Eastwood. She said he seemed really nice, and she wouldn't have expected him to kill somebody. You never know. I know. I'm glad you're safe. 
Rocio, that's scary. We may have to look into that one. I wonder how many people we've met in our lives that have killed somebody. Probably more than we think. Oh, yeah. Especially where you hang out. I'm like, (laughs) you're absolutely correct. No, no, no. So we have another Kelly. Isn't it weird when we get Get doubles? It's strange. But we have Kelly M. from Missouri. Awesome. And Kelly, I briefly lived where you're from. Thank you, Kelly M. Thank you. And we have Addison J. from Nebraska. Very cool. Do we have any Nebraskas? Cornhusker, I think that's sure. If not, I'm sorry, Addison. Thank you. Thanks. And I've emailed a few of you about your addresses in case you want some stickers. So be sure to check in on the Patreon page if you're like, hey, it's been a while and I haven't gotten anything. If we don't get your address on there, we usually send you a message and you don't have to give us your address. But And then don't forget to go join the Patreon-only Facebook page. Yes. We need some more fun stuff on there. We do. You We're getting get more people, that. so it's picking up a little bit, which is good. And I've also messaged a few people about shirts. I haven't heard back yet. So, again, go on the Patreon page and maybe you have a message from us. It's like, hey, we want to send you stuff, but we don't know what to do right now. Very cool. Yeah. We love the new guys, gals. We love you all. And we've still been getting so many nice reviews. I'm still, every time I get on there, I'm like. She's sweating bullets. I'm like, oh God. She's like, what Ashley's mouth caused this No, week? no, no. Oh, we're at 274 now. Awesome. Yeah, we've got some nice ones. Thank you guys so much. I'm jinxing myself. It'll you be are. a real bad It'll one. be a terrible one. Oh, anything new with you? <sighs> well, I have a kidney stone. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> It's like waking not, a baby. Not not a it's like not a hot date. Not anything going on in my life. <laughs> it's fun. So we're in a group chat and we're all like, "What's the status?" Oh, there's like not eight or nine of us on this group, and it's like every day. What's this? And you're calling her. Her Sharon name is Sharon Stone. Stone. <laughs> yes. If anyone has ever had a kidney stone, please write me about. She needs advice. I need advice. Um, how how long did it take? Yeah. For you to get rid of it, and any tips on how to make it move along faster? Yeah, so you went to the ER Girl, with severe pain. I thought I was fucking dying. That sounds I had scary. 14 hours of labor when I had Max, and I, heard I that. never, not one minute felt the pain that I felt. I, I thought something was really wrong. Kidney stones. Like, I thought something was really fucking wrong. Like, there's, what was the pain? You said it was pa- passing through. It was like the where was it located on me? It was like on my right side, like kind of like like what made it uh, trigger? I guess like trigger the pain since it we weren't well, passing. I didn't know until mm-hmm. obviously the ER and the CT and all that. Um, apparently, the doctor said that when a kidney stone comes out of your kidney and goes down your ureter to your bladder, that little tube that's like two to three millimeters wide, oh. it passes through. And, you're, and you're, mine is five millimeters, so it's big. Oh so it's God. scraping and stretching all the fuck way down to your bladder. Oh. It, it was so bad I was throwing up. Oh, like I couldn't stand up. I couldn't breathe. Mm-mm. How in the heck do you pass it? How do you, you pee that out? But how? It comes out your pee pee hole. I'm going to have to tell you like I told no, Max. No, but it's too small. You have to TT it out. How? <laughs> what if you cannot? This, then like, they have to go up there and get it. 
Are which, there times when people? Oh, hundred percent. I don't know anything about the guy. Stones. You know, the doctor was like, "Okay, here's your options. Oh, we can God. admit you, go up there, put a stent in, which holds that open oh. and lets it come out. We can. It's called lithotripsy oh, or God. something. Anyways, where they go and they bust it up, like with basically like sonar. Oh my God! Or you can just try to pee it out on your own. Oh, pee holes are too small. I'm just like I'll just pee it out. Oh my God! I mean, I'm clinching right now. It's not, but thank God I've not been in any pain since. Yeah, it well, got that's what's down to where it just needed to get to the bladder. Obviously, it needs to get out. But you're, now it's got to so get out. You're going to yeah. be in pain again when you. Ooh. I don't know. But I feel, you're right. I feel like I'm waiting I'm on a baby. <laughs> it's That's how we're like, what's the status? Have you passed it yet? Chad, what's it like, look like? What's going on? One's like, I hope it looks like me. <laughs> that's my eyes. I'm like, <laughs> swear to God. And he was like on Amazon. One oh, of those one of them little... found a little necklace that you put shit in, like a trinket. I'm like, I'm going to get this kidney stone what out. What the heck? I've got to Google it. what that looks like. I have no idea. I will put this in that necklace and give it to one of my friends for Christmas. You mark my words. You need to. That's actually really freaking funny. But, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm scared I'm going to miss it because people say like, you can just pee it out and not know. And not know. People are I like, mean, well, I, I guess, guess I people passed have it and, I, and don't know in the door. I never, I must have, it came out. I didn't even realize it. And I'm like, really? I know we have nurses and stuff that listen. And they probably think we're the two dumbest bitches. I don't know anything <laughs> medical stuff. Well, let me tell you, there. I was like, there's no way this is a kidney stone. The pain that I felt, I can't even describe it. Oof. Uh-uh. I'm talking all fours on the triage bed. I cannot imagine. Hysterical screaming. Did they give screaming. you um, fluids and stuff? They started IV, Gosh. gave me pain meds, nausea meds. Two hours later, it wore off. They had to give me more pain. I mean, I'm talking about like narcotics. And I'm arguing with them like, don't give me anything that's going to make me feel weird because I don't like feeling weird. And I could never be a drug addict because I don't like feeling fucked up. But it came to the point where I was like, I don't care. You got to cut at me. At some point. <laughs> at some point, yeah. Give me Ooh. all the drugs. If I tapped out. when it comes to pain, I don't think I'm – I need to drink more water. I've just been drinking Diet Coke all day. Well, I'm apparently like, you are – once you have your kidney stone. <laughs> Welcome to Kidney Stone Welcome Corner. Welcome to Kidney Stone Corner. <laughs> apparently once you have it, you take it to a urologist. They give you this little strainer. And you're supposed to pee in it every time you pee to try to catch it. Every single time. I have not been. But I do look in the toilet to see if there's anything in there. I know. Sorry, TMI. But supposedly you catch it and then you put it in this little container that they also give you. And you take it to a urologist and they send it off and they can test to see what's causing it. Oh. So you don't have more. Well, that's good to know. So if it's like caffeine is what's causing it. How have I not had one from just caffeine? I some people never know. get them, and some people have one and never get another one. One I of my I'm good of friends has had several, and she drinks no. tons of water. It's Can't. so weird. I don't know what. Let me tell you. It's, it seems random. If I ever have to fucking go through that again, I'm going to be real mad. I can't even. He'll be put me down. No, just fucking kill me. <laughs> like, for real. I have heard, though, seriously. I have never not had a baby or a kidney stone, but I've heard it's the pain can be worse than labor. It is 100%. I can attest to you. different. That that was the worst thing imaginable. Now I have a new fear. Thank you. 
know, anything medical is my fear. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. No good. But if you've had a kidney stone, <laughs> email us at United States of Murder at gmail.com. We want to know. We want I need some tips advice. on how to get Sharon Stone to vacate. Oh, Sharon Stone. I know. I know. You, I'll buy you one of those, you know, those candle prayer candles of Sharon Stone. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. This is escalating quickly. Yes. I was talking to um, a, a friend of mine. And they said, you know, they were asking me about it. And she goes, well, don't you remember when you were pregnant with Max and you were like, I'm so tired of being pregnant. I'm making a birthday cake and I'm, or I'm making a cake and I bought like this funfetti cake with this like funfetti icing and like made a birthday cake. I'm like, I'm making a birthday cake for Max to, to hopefully he'll come out. Oh and my it was just God. like a joke. I was just fat and pregnant, wanted to eat cake. Ugh, Literally the next day my water broke. Maybe you should so make my friend's Sharon like, a cake. Maybe you should make Sharon Stone a birthday cake. Oh my god! I'm like, this dumb bitch is not getting anything. <laughs> she cost me ten thousand dollars probably at the ER. She won't bring you any joy in your life. No like a kid, kid can. No, so that's. Just, I do not love her. Yeah, I'm not excited. It's a different birth. Mm-mm. It's just different. Sorry. sorry, this is escalating quickly. <laughs> Ooh. And this is why I'm single. Ooh, I find it fascinating. I don't it's not want fascinating. One, it's horrible. It does sound horrible. No bueno. Where are we next week? I yeah. Let's let's switch gears. Oh, I was going to tell you before we stop rambling. Evil, uh-huh. the show we watched on Netflix. Yes, now is on Paramount, so you need to watch it. And they have they're on their third season now. There's three seasons. Yes. I haven't seen the second season because it came off Netflix. Me too. So I had a preview on. I love the first season, but then when it switched, I'm like, crap. So I'm going to have to do a. a, um, I signed up for Paramount for free for 30 days. That's what I was about to say. (laughs) Let me give you my password and then then you can just watch it. I need to do that on, is it Epics where From is on? Because I watched the first three free episodes on Prime and then they. They got me because they were like, oh, haha, I like this show, sucker. You're going to have to. And so I haven't even watched it yet. But I've heard it's good. Let's see. Also, we got to get tickets to see the black phone. Oh, yes. It's horrifying. Max will not be watching this movie. That looks, I saw two previews today. I usually don't have the TV on, like, and see commercials uh-huh. and stuff, but I was just typing the rest uh-huh. of my notes, and it was on. Freaking terrifying. So it's scary And I'm hell. intrigued by Ethan Hawke being such a bad guy. Oh, you know I what know. I mean? I hate that. That's like... We share the same birthday. I've probably already said that a hundred times. It's okay. <laughs> I think me and T-Swift have the same birthday. You do. Of course. Look at us. Of course I know that. Um, I don't like it whenever they put guys that we have hard eyes over as bad guys. Mm-hmm. Like I had the biggest nerdy schoolgirl crush on Keeper Sutherland. Cause really? he was in like the lost boys. And I was like, yes. he's a vampire and he's mean. He's, he's evil. Yeah. Vampire. Look at him. Uh. I was 10. That is hilarious. And then he played that terrible. What was that movie with Sally field? And she's on the phone with her daughter and he's the bad guy and breaks in and is like, beating and raping her daughter while she's on the phone. And he's the fucking kill. He's the one that does it. <sighs> and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I couldn't even watch him in 24 because I'm like, you are a, oh my gosh, you are a child rapist. Oh my you are gosh. dead to me. You've been typecast. 
We're At done least with you. Ethan wears masks from what I can tell and stuff. So it's kind of like it's not even him, kind of. You know what I mean? We'll pretend. Who knows? We'll pretend it's him. Yeah, it's on June 24th. And aren't they just doing it one day? Is huh? it just like a one day? No. Maybe I heard it wrong. I think you're making shit up. I'm, I'm you're delusional because it's hot. It is hot. We need to get out of here. Utah. Next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, better fuck. be nice. <laughs> they love us in Utah. <laughs> oh, we love you, Utah. We do. If you're still listening. There's nobody there listening. They're like. I really want to float in the salt lake. Why? Because you. it's so salty that you're supposed to be really. You, you better not shave your legs or anything else before you get in there. What? Yeah. You don't ever shave your legs at the beach and you get into the oh, ocean and it like, like sets your you legs on fire. Yes, 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 yes. Anyway, we'll see you next week, Utah. It's been the grossest else. ending. Yum. Kidney stones and shaving. Love Goodbye. It. Bye.